Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and we're getting you ready for the Eagles' trip to the desert as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 365. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with my friend Ben Fennel, where we talk a little bit about our final thoughts from the loss last week against Tampa Bay, namely uh, identity discussion. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, in reference to last week, but namely, we're going to turn our attention towards Sunday afternoon's game with the Las Vegas Raiders, and after that, we're going to transition to scouting court, where we focus in on a player that is a big part of how the Raiders play offensively, and that is second-year wide receiver Henry Ruggs. To close the show, we're going to catch up with Ted Wynn in faux focus. Uh, he absolutely does an outstanding job from an X's and O's standpoint over at The Athletic. Really excited to welcome Ted to the show. So we'll break it down from an Eagles and Vegas standpoint here throughout the course of this podcast. Really excited to hear what he thinks about this game. Before we get going, just a couple things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one, make sure you go to our Apple podcast, leave a rating, leave a review. If you've got a question, we will answer it here on the show. And also, while you're there, you need to be subscribed to the journey to the draft podcast. We talk about it every single week here. If you are an Eagles fan, this is a potentially huge offseason for the Eagles leading up to this draft. They've already got two first round picks, the potential for a third. You want to know who the top players are in next spring's class? Make sure you go subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast wherever podcasts can be found. That said, let's get this podcast rolling. I'm excited to talk through Eagles Raiders with Ben Fennell in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, let's get into it now with Chalk Talk because I welcome in Ben Fennel. Ben, uh, it seems like this Eagles-Bucks game was a long time ago, obviously being last Thursday night. We're almost a week away from that game. But uh, one thing I want to talk about with you coming out of that game, and it was more like in the aftermath on Friday, uh, Nick Sirianni talking about just trying to take this extra long, you know, that, that little mini bye week and try and see if you could find that identity on offense. That was a point that he made uh, Thursday night, Friday morning. And how, you know, I think it's one of those things that we almost kind of forget is, Obviously, this is a new coaching staff and uh, a first-time head coach, and a lot of y- other young coaches. It's their first time together, so trying to mix and match. We're six, we're six games into a seventeen-game uh, schedule. Makes sense that they're trying to find that, but that that's one of the things you would say. Okay, well, that could be why the timing is just it's just not adding up right now. We talked about it earlier this week with Greg. I don't think we need to dive too deep into it, but it's something you and I have talked about a lot on this podcast over the years is just those offenses that have that identity. You can say that on the defensive side as well, of course. Um, but that is certainly something that they're trying to rectify here moving forward. Yeah. And anytime you have a new coaching staff, a young coaching staff, guys doing uh, roles and responsibilities that they are experienced with, you know, you need a bit of a self-assessment time and a team like the Philadelphia Eagles. It just so happens 2021 friend are by weeks in week 14. So having this semi by week and a semi opportunity to do some self-scouting at this point, I think is critical. And I think a really good time for some self-reflection, figure out what we do well, what we don't do well, what we can improve on, what you need to completely abandon and really have kind of a self-reflective 48 to 72 hours before you get back into game planning mode. And I think this team and coaching staff really took advantage of the extra days. And I think they're going to be better for it moving forward through the, uh, the middle of the season. Yeah, it's something that both Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen uh, earlier this week mentioned as well. A big part of their process early this week and certainly over the weekend. Um, Let's quickly kind of touch on Eagles game plan and use it to structure 
our conversation about this matchup on Sunday. Uh, obviously, we'll start. We'll start on the Eagles' offensive side of the football, going up against this Raiders defense. And we talk about uh, identities. This defense in in uh, Las Vegas. They have an identity. You're all right. You've got Gus Bradley. It's only year one, but he's been a defensive coordinator for a long time in this league, and they, he is sticking with what has worked for him in the past. They're going to play a lot of cover three. They play more cover three than anybody. Um, it's something that stands out when you watch them on film is, yeah, you could really kind of like close your eyes and picture the roles of these players playing in the Seattle scheme now here in Vegas. Yeah, and actually it's very similar philosophically to here in Philadelphia. Two very uh, zone coverage-based defenses. Yep. And we're hearing here in Philly a lot, oh, too deep. Jonathan Gannon's a too-high team. Well, all they're hearing in Vegas this summer is we're a single-high center field team. And that center fielder is way back there in Trayvon Morg most of the days. And what's been the result, Fran? Raiders and Eagles, top of the league and not allowing big plays. Mm -hmm. It's very much a zone principle, keep it in front of you defenses with just a different structural shell. Gus Bradley, a single high guy, Jonathan Gannon, a two deep guy. But philosophically, you're trying to incorporate the same thing. Cover three, you're plus one in the box. Jonathan Gannon, too high, has some different responsibilities. But at the end of the day, you're trying to keep it in front of you, prevent explosive plays. And both these teams have done a pretty good job doing that. So who's going to be the greedier quarterback and take those shots when you shouldn't be? We'll see. Derek Carr, Jalen Hurts both want to push the ball down the field, but it may not be the defenses to do it. To paint the picture a little bit for our listeners, it, we obviously you talk a lot about the Legion of Boom defense uh, back in the early 2000s or the early 2010s, rather, uh, out in Seattle. And I think when you look at this defense here, it's like, okay, well, Teron Mary, he's playing the Earl Thomas role. Uh, you know, Cam Chancellor, that's Jonathan Abram. Uh, and you go straight down the line, okay, who's who's the weak side end? All right, that's Yannick Ngakwe. All right, who's the strong side end? That's Max Crosby. And you go from at the, at the linebacker level, KJ Wright. Sticks right in at you know a position that he's used to playing at that Sam linebacker spot, right? So everybody, obviously, you know, it's a little bit different because the the talent level, the level of experience, not the same. But that's what they want to be philosophically, and that's what they're that's what the goal is. That's what they're trying to reach. Yeah, no question. And when you get some elite players, some borderline Hall of Fame players at those spots, you end up with some Super Bowl appearances like right. they had. And you know, anytime you have a Bobby Wagner in the middle and a Richard Sherman on the outside, and guys like Cam and Earl at safety. Now you're starting to cook with some bodies. So we got the scheme in there now. Gus Bradley bought, brought over a lot of his disciples, you know, the Casey Haywards, the Denzel Perrymans, guys he was familiar with uh, in the past. Now let's see if we could start improving the roster, get some better bodies at positions, and really turn this team into an elite defense. But I think Gus Bradley just got there, and you just see the little bit of the flashes here and there from those Seattle days. Wouldn't dare compare anybody to some of those elite greats. You of course. Know, those are some pretty special players. Uh, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, and K.J. Wright, um, and some of those guys. But, you know, you just mentioned, like, Yannick Ndokwe, he's that Bruce Irvin of the group, you know, yep. the kind of skinny edge rusher that wants to win high side. Everyone kind of has their guy that they embody. Now let's see if we can make it all click and keep improving that roster. Yeah, Quentin Jefferson stepping in as Michael Bennett. You go right down the line. No uh, question. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of fun kind of comparisons to right. it. It's, it's, fun, it's fun to dig into. I do think, though, you know, looking at this identity, and it's funny, you, you mentioned some of these stats that mirror each other. Uh, you know, the Eagles and Raiders, one and two right now in terms of giving up big plays. Right now, they're at the bottom. They're 31 and 32 in terms of blitzing. Um, they're one of the, you know, in terms of the bottom half of the league in terms of run defense. 
But I think the one difference, and maybe we can we can talk about this a little bit, is that they are giving up a lot on the ground despite having that extra man on the box. And, that, and that's the, the, the one big difference, I think. And I, I would point to some of the issues they are having at the second level, whether it be missed tackles, eyes in the wrong place uh, at the linebacker, and, and strong safety level with Jonathan Abram. Uh, that's been one of the, the Achilles heels so far of this defense. Yeah, I think there's been some contentious discussions uh, in Las Vegas circles about their box players. And Denzel Perryman, a Corey Littleton, a high-priced free agent from two years ago, Jonathan Abram being a first-round pick, being used in the box more, much more appropriate than the back-end responsibilities where we've seen him struggle in the past, but still a little bit of trying to figure out, are they just loading the stat sheet with fluff? Are they liabilities? Are these good players moving forward? I think there's a lot of different narratives with some of the defenders in Oakland, or excuse me, Las Vegas. And it doesn't stop there. I mean, the other first round picks, Trayvon Mullen and Cleon Farrell, and it's a lot of contentious discussions about yep. the quality of players out there versus their value and what you spent to get them. Um, but they got some parts and they have some dominant players at certain spots, like Max Crosby, who's been leading the league in QB really well. pressures yep. for most of the year. So he was a late round pick and they fell into some really good players as well. Casey Hayward playing an outstanding on the outside uh, in that zone scheme for Gus Bradley bunch of really good parts out there but yeah certainly the run defense and the linebackers they'll make a play and then they'll break your heart the next play so they really just need a little bit more steady play from that group and we know what that's about here in philadelphia too yep. we have guys that make some flashes and then let you down it's all about steadying the play and avoiding avoiding the high variance type of results yeah, I'm glad you brought up Casey Hayward because he was brought in this offseason and it was kind of, a, like you said, a, a point of contention, right? It's like, oh, well, we just spent uh, a first-round pick on Damon Arnett. We just spent that second-round pick on Trayvon Mullen. We want those guys to be the outside corners. Well, not only is he the only guy left standing from this group because those two, the other two are on injured reserve right now, um, but Hayward's playing really well. He's playing like their best corner. He understands the defense so well. Uh, he played for Gus Bradley out in uh, in L.A. with the Chargers, so has a really good sense of the scheme. And then they're getting good play in the nickel as well from Hobbs, uh, the rookie day three pick from Illinois, um, a guy you and I both studied. We talked about him a lot over on the Journey to the Draft podcast. So, uh, you know, certainly, like you said, uh, they've got some parts. They've got some pieces. They want to try. When you have a defense like that, the big thing is, like you said, you want to be steady. You don't want to have a lot of high variance, but you want some of those opportunistic plays. You know, you're going to get, you're going to give up some chunks here in the, playing this scheme, but when when the offense gives you one, you got to take it. You got to capitalize on those opportunities, and that'll be a big point of emphasis for them moving forward. Uh, let's flip the script a little bit here. Go to the other side of the football. Eagles defense versus the Raiders offense and a big part of, uh, you know, looking at this scheme, you know, Greg Olson, he's been the offensive coordinator there, there since 2018. Uh, he was hired when John Gruden was hired uh, back then. So th that identity is kind of set, right? And we're seeing them be more aggressive downfield. We talked about it with Greg earlier this week. Uh, they lead the league right now in pass attempts past 20 yards. They want to push the football down the field. And Henry Ruggs is a big part of that. And that's why we wanted to focus in on that for Eagles game plan this week with Greg. Yeah, absolutely. It's a fun offense. They like to take their shots. It's very quarterback heavy as far as uh, what they ask of Derek Carr. Seems like when he makes incredible throws, this team does well. But it's not a team that leans on the run game. This isn't an RPO team. A lot of those big plays down the field, Fran, they're not off play action. Like, you know, McVay and Shanahan and some of those other offenses. It's a drop back offense. A lot of pressure on the quarterback spot. It's really not that different to the way Bruce Arians no uh, operates the offense with yep. Tom Brady the one that we've tongue-in-cheek called hero ball because of that uh, uh, responsibility and what we ask of the quarterback position in those schemes. But Derek Carr's played at a very high level this year. We'll see if it's uh, sustainable. But just everybody wondering, no more John Gruden? It's not like they said, oh, Gruden's out. Let me run my offense. This is going 
to be very similar structurally. They may be a tweak two here or there, but Greg Olson came in with Gruden. They had a great relationship. They're kind of tied from the same cloth of offensive philosophies. It's going to be the same, the same kind of structure, uh, barring injuries or any other force changes on the roster. But um, yeah, there's some aspects of this offense. It's really exciting. And you know, they want to throw the ball around the yard. Jonathan Gannon doesn't want to let you throw the ball around the yard. So yep. it's going to see uh, who can be uh, a little more patient and uh, not be that stubborn guy trying to shove that ball in where you shouldn't. And that's the challenge for Derek Carr, right? And if they're, if, uh, if the Raiders are able to protect uh, and keep the, the Eagles defensive front at bay, um, that, that can allow him to do that. I, I agree with you. He's playing at a very high level. He's playing the best football of his career. He just looks comfortable and confident with what he's doing. And that's kind of you know something you and I have talked about in terms of like the, the art, the process of quarterback development in the NFL, just allowing those guys to get reps. And there's lots of different ways to do that. Sometimes you can throw a guy into the deep end and it's sink or swim time. We're going to play, like you said, we're going to play hero ball. And uh, sometimes it's going to look good. Sometimes it's going to look bad, but you're going to learn from those negative plays. And that's something that we've seen here from Derek Carr. And that's why I think we're kind of getting into that point now with his career. Where it's like, all right, like, is he that guy? And he might, I mean, when you're talking about some of the, uh, the elite quarterbacks, maybe he's not in that top shelf group, but he's got to be near the top of that next tier of quarterback. And he's certainly playing like it this year. That said, pressure, we know can affect him. It affects a lot of quarterbacks, but that, that's the, the goal there when going up against Carr. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like he's been he's been sitting on that next tier of quarterbacks for, you know, most of his career and trying to figure out if he's an elite player or someone they need to upgrade. It seems like three years ago uh, or two years ago, he was on his way out and he's kind of had a bit of a resurgence the past two years. So he's looked pretty good. The Philadelphia Eagles defense, though, Fran, my brain just goes right to Hargrave and Cox. And I think they have the ability to disrupt and literally change the game every week. And when you think about impactful, disruptive, elite defenders, your shutdown corner, your rangy safety, your tackling machine, middle linebacker, your stud pass rushing edge rusher, I want an elite defensive tackle. I think from the inside out, you have the ability to, to disrupt more than all those other positions. Hey, if you have an elite corner one week, well, we're playing the Cleveland Browns and they're going to run it up our butt. What does that elite corner do for us this week? Not a whole lot. You know, so there's some scheme issues with some of those other players. But having two dominant elite defensive tackles, they have a chance to disrupt and have an impact every week, every drive, every play. And I really mean that. And when I think about this defense, having those two up front, you can ruin opposing offenses. And we'll see if they do it this week uh, like they have uh, a couple times in the past. Yeah, I think it's a big part of it because uh, one thing I love about this past game, and I think it's a big point of emphasis looking at this game and how the two teams match up, how the two teams, um, the two schemes match up. You know, the Eagles, we know, play a lot of split safety zone, whether it's quarters, cover two, quarter, quarter, half. They're playing a lot of split safety defense. And one thing that we see a lot from the Las Vegas Raiders, they play a ton with those condensed formations. Everybody lined up between the numbers close to the hash marks. And, And what that does for zone coverage teams is that it kind of blurs the lines of the rules that defensive backs have to have to follow through, right? So, uh, you know, we see how often have we watched uh, the Raiders offense and and Ben, you've done a couple of their games already this year. So you've seen them up close, but how often you watch this past game, it's like, oh man, like 
Henry Ruggs running into wide open space, Darren Waller running into wide open space. And part of that is when they face man coverage, they trust their athletic mismatches in Ruggs and Waller. But another part of that is that they do such a great job of breaking down coverage schemes with those condensed formations, with those bunch looks. And now that kind of blurs the line. If you have a, a, a receiver lined up inside the numbers and he works vertically and you're playing quarters on that side, well, now the corner, he's like, all right, I'm going to pass this off to the safety. And the safety's like, oh, is this going to be me? Is this going to be me? He's lined up as number one, but he's lined up in the numbers. He's coming right at me. Well, now that open, now you've got two guys driving on one throw and now you've got a whole boatload of green grass behind them. And we've seen that time and time again from this offense. And I think against this Eagles split safety scheme, that's a big thing. Just kind of watch out for is the Eagles making sure that they're really disciplined on the back end and their zone coverage schemes. Yeah, this Raiders pass game can attack multiple different ways. And when they get the man coverage defenses, like they face Miami, they face Baltimore, they're going to work the bunches. They're going to look at Renfro on double moves. They're going to look for Brian Edwards, get Willie Sneed out there. And all of a sudden, we play Pittsburgh, zone defense. Let's go 13 personnel where we look real heavy. Next play, Fran, empty 13 personnel. Four, yeah, four What's that going to do? There's going to be a mismatch somewhere because the teams are going to line up in base against those tight ends. Suddenly, you have a linebacker on Darren Waller now, and that's all she wrote. So I like that the Raiders really ebb and flow to their offensive design based on how they need to attack opposing coverages mm. this week, zone coverages. Let's see if we get some more multi tight end packages, Foster Moreau out there. I think they still have uh, Derek carrier, our old friend. Yep. Um, and, and obviously Darren Waller, who will look like a receiver out wide one play have his hand in the turf. Another play line up in the slot, the next play, maybe in the backfield, the next play, Find big 83 out there with the tattoos. He lines up all over the place. Yeah, there's so many interesting complementary weapons in this past game. It's something we talked about with Craig. As you look at even just looking at the, the the top four target getters, and it's like, all right, well, you know, Henry Ruggs, there's your your certified deep threat. There's Darren Waller, the, the movable chess piece at tight end. You've got Hen, uh, you've got Hunter Renfro underneath, one of the best route runners in the NFL. Brian Edwards, a bigger possession threat, who's also got the ability to separate. Oh, by the way, you've got Josh Jacobs, you've got Kenyon Drake, you've got Foster Moreau, who's an interesting combo tight end, right? So you have all these guys that can wear a lot of different hats and depending on what you need that week offensively well you've got that tool in your bag and I think that that's been something that uh, we've seen and you described that perfectly when you look at them week to week to week uh, I think it's a, an interesting part of how this offense is put together uh, so far we've hit on a, a bunch of interesting numbers I don't know if we've already hit on yours but is there one that stands out most to you going into this matchup no we hit on a couple of them yeah. they're 32nd uh you know blitzing yep. but not just 32nd way down there from the right. 31st team and on the other side, we talk about their cover three usage, number one, but way out in front of the yep. second team. So I just love the the disparity between not just being the best or the worst, but having a lot of distance by that next team. They obviously have a philosophy. They believe in it. They are who they are. And I just love seeing the identities every week of the NFL. There's different strokes for different folks, and there's different ways to deploy your chess pieces. There's no right way and wrong way. You know, just because you move the pawn up to in front of the king and somebody else wants to move the uh, the knight as your first move, there's no right or wrong, just different philosophies. It's chess out there. How do you want to deploy your pieces? And I just love diving into the week-to-week identities of all these teams. We've talked through some matchups. I mean, the, the, to me, the, the Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave going up against that interior O-line. Uh, they sh- shuffled things, some, some things around last week. You saw Alex Leatherwood shift from right tackle inside to guard. Uh, you know, they benched Jermaine Illuminor. Andre James is in at center. Uh, he's had a rough go of it. So just seeing those that interior three for the Raiders going up against Fletcher Cox and Hargrave, I think that's one of the more pivotal matchups uh, in this game. I'm not sure if there's any others that, that really stand out to you from that front. 
Uh, yeah, I just really think it's going to be a big game over the middle of the field. I want to attack their linebackers and safeties in the past game. I hope to see Dallas Goddard, you know, try to climb on the linebackers, uh, you know, maybe off play action. I think it was the Monday night game or one of the primetime games two weeks ago where the Raiders caught Denzel Perryman and KJ Wright in man coverage. I think that was a Charger game. Charger game, Monday night football, yes. Austin Eckler, yeah, caught a touchdown. And so if they do decide to get out of their cover three and lock those linebackers in man coverage, let's maybe Miles Sanders on a KJ Wright or a Dallas Goddard on a Denzel Perryman. Love those matchups for the Eagles. And I think a big part of that and something you and I talk about a lot is, uh, you know, everybody, like I said, a different strokes for different folks, right? Everybody's got their idea of, oh, this is why don't the Eagles do more of this? Why don't they do more of this? Why don't they do more of that? Well, when you have three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, pick three and out, that it's tough to get into any kind of rhythm as a play caller, as a passer, uh, really trying to deploy all your weapons. All of a sudden, you're just trying to, you know, get, find a seeing eye single, right? Just to move the sticks that first time. So if the Eagles the offense just come out efficient, Build a lot of plays. If you have a game where you only have 52 plays offensively, it's it's tough to have a lot of variety because often you're seeing a lot of third and longs. That's going to change the way you play and how you deploy your personnel. So uh, the Eagles just have to find a way to be efficient early. Let the let the those plays start to roll and snowball, uh, and that could be a big part of their success. Um, but Ben, we're going to talk through one more player. It's a guy we've mentioned already, uh, Henry Ruggs, a big part of this offense. He's our subject this week in scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, Ben, let's get into Henry Ruggs, who was a top 10 pick, I believe, by the Raiders a year ago in the 2020 draft. First receiver off the board in a very strong receiver class. Uh, The Raiders making him that selection. And he's, look, uh, year one was a little bit quiet for him. And year two, he's been pretty much everything you would have expected him to be coming out of Alabama. I'm interested to kind of get your notes and how you projected him moving forward. And I'll uh, I'll share some thoughts as well. Yeah, really interesting player here uh, entering, was his third season now in the NFL for him? Second season? Second season, season. yep, second season. Well, he uh, entered uh, Alabama in that vaunted uh, 2017 class with Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith. I had the opportunity to see him four times in person at Alabama, once in 17, once in 18, twice in 2019. Really interesting player, though. He came with the track background, the track speed, kind of a smaller, slight frame receiver. Not quite as thick as a Tyreek Hill, but that style of receiver and that level of speed. Twitchy, explosive player, a lot of manufactured touches in the offense, screens, RPOs. Um, thought he could play inside outside with that speed. A lot of the RPO stuff coming from the inside, the outside, a lot of double moves, really good adjustment on passes. In my opinion, I thought he knew how to throttle down, use his body to shield defensive backs and really good balance in the open field in combination with that speed had some absorption and the ability to bounce off tacklers, his punt cunning though, Fran, anytime he could just show off that speed, whether it's, you know, on special teams, punt gunning, showing some hustle, like running down a uh, interceptor in the Tennessee game. Um, or I think it was the Arkansas game that I did where Irv Smith fumbled down the field. Well, it was Henry Ruggs running stride for stride, trying to find a block down the field, fell on that ball for a touchdown. Tons of effort and hustle plays that you just fall in love with in combination with the speed and the plays he made down the field. Really, really fun player. Did I see the first receiver going off the board that year being Henry Ruggs? Probably not. Yep. But he certainly has a place in this league when used properly. Uh, and he, I think his role for the Raiders has really served him well. No, it fits him perfect. And honestly, you made a point about uh, the adjustments, you know, at all levels of the field as a receiver. That was my one question. You know, you talk about how often he was uh, in the RPO game, how many slants and we see him just take to the house where he hits the catch point at full speed. And you're not getting him down at that point. You talk about his play strength through contact after the catch and uh, his vision in the open field. I did have questions because obviously, look, a, a lot of his value 
comes as a deep threat. There weren't a lot of deep ball throws in that offense. It wasn't and often when they were, it was like, those just not necessarily a pop pass, but uh, off of some kind of play action or some kind of misdirection. Well, now he's just streaking down the field and it wasn't a lot of necessarily tracking over the shoulder involved. And it was uh, only a handful of those reps on film. So that was one of the questions I had was like, all right, like if you're going to be that deep threat, I need you to be able to do that. And so what does he do last week against Denver? He made two beautiful adjustments over the shoulder, uh, tracked the ball. The one that was right down the chute, uh, right in between the hash marks was perfect adjustment to the ball mid flight. And he makes the catch through contact. So uh, to me, like that was one aspect of his game where I had a little bit of a question about, and now it's like, all right, well that, that now unleashes him to be that, you know, established vertical deep threat down the field. You know, and I think when you have a Jerry Judy and a Devontae Smith and a Henry Ruggs and a Jalen Waddle in the same receiver room, you think this is a receiver pass game offense at Alabama, and it is not. They were products of their scheme and the run game focus. And to hear Steve Sarkeesian talk in his clinic about running the ball and the second you want to allocate more resources to stopping the run, that's when our receivers then capitalize. They run away from man coverage. They attack voids. They run down the field really well and can climb with their speed. I think everything kind of coming off of the run game at Alabama allowed guys like Henry Ruggs to excel. And I can't think of a time where Henry Ruggs just carved up a corner, where, you know, in a route. It was, you know, RPO and catch it and you're gone. Or off play action, a double move and you're gone. And, you know, I really think they were products of the offense. So don't just draft Henry Ruggs and say, line up at X and go win for us. He still needs to be used in combination with the offense. And I think his role for the Raiders is great. Now the conversation is, was he worth it there at that spot in the draft? Was he worth it at the time? And that's why sports are sports and the conversations uh, never end. Exactly. And we certainly have those conversations on a weekly basis over on the Journey to the Draft podcast. Make sure you go check that out. Myself and Ben, every single week, twice weekly, wherever podcasts may be found. Ben, uh, we'll be back next week to break down this matchup and get everybody ready for Eagles-Lions. We will talk to you next week. Great stuff from Ben, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. I want to shout out somebody today who did exactly that. Maddie G underscore 28 left a five-star review on our Apple Podcast page and said, I don't want to beat a dead horse on cover four or dime packages. Greg Cosell mentioned, it's possible that the Eagles don't go to packages like that because of personnel. I don't see us comfortable with our safeties being too versatile, playing back in a single high, down in the box, and in the slot, which reminds me of Malcolm Jenkins playing in that role. Could you see an upcoming college safety like Kyle Hamilton or Jalen Catalan finning in that kind of job and who would be your top three safeties in college. So Matt, it's a good question. You bring up two of my favorite safeties for certain uh, in the, uh, in the college football ranks, Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. He is a big time talent. We talk about him all the time over on journey to the draft podcast. And I think when you look at, at Hamilton, the way that he's able to, to fly downhill and play from depth, that makes him a great fit in any quarter scheme, any, any defense that plays top down and focuses on coverage. I don't know if he's a pure post safety. But when you look at a guy that's built the way he is six, four, you know, in that 210, 215 range, his ability to, to eat up grass and run the alley and finish one-on-one as a tackler, he's gotten a little bit better uh, every single year as a tackler. That was an issue for him early on, but man, this guy just makes so many plays on the football and not just against the run, but also in coverage, his feel in zone is outstanding. He's made some great plays on the ball. And then Jalen Catalan, uh, we've talked about him. Actually, we're talking about him this week over on the journey to the draft podcast. Make sure you go subscribe uh, because I gave my pro comparison to 
Jalen Catalan. And, and this guy plays like his hair is on fire. He's a lot different from Hamilton from a frame standpoint. He's on the shorter end, kind of a squattier player. Uh, but this guy flies around the football. He can make big plays uh, in coverage, but also he's not afraid to get his nose dirty in the run game as well. So we'll break down both of those guys over the course of the next few months. Make sure you go check that out over on the Journey to the Draft podcast. Maddie G, great question. Appreciate that and appreciate everybody that has left reviews lately. Uh, it's the best way, again, to throw us your support. That said, let's get into towards the end of the show here. We're going to catch up with Ted Wynn. It's time for Faux Focus. What's this matchup look like from the other side? It's time to find out in Faux Focus. Well, like I said earlier, really excited to welcome in this week for Faux Focus on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, Ted Wynn, who does an outstanding job covering the entire NFL for The Athletic. And also, you can follow him on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis. Ted, welcome to the show, man. I appreciate you coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, following your work for a while and, uh, you know, excited to finally talk to you and talk some X's and O's. No, I appreciate it, man. And it's uh, obviously this game here this week, again, you know, Raiders-Eagles, I think it's interesting for a number of levels. And obviously, look, uh, the Raiders have a number of things going on over the last couple of weeks that uh, change things potentially from an X and O standpoint. But I'm, that's what I'm interested in to kind of get your thoughts here. Uh, and I'll start off like I always do. Put on your Greg Olson hat, the offensive coordinator here for the Las Vegas Raiders. What is the biggest strength for Las Vegas entering this game on offense? Uh, what would give you the most confidence in their ability to pull out a W here at home? Yeah, I think surprisingly, the, the Raiders' biggest strength has been their deep passing game. It's an area that Derek Carr has really worked on in the past couple of years, and uh, it's really starting to pay dividends this year. They're you know one of the top teams in explosive passes, um, and I, I think Carr has really just improved his ability to um, to his pocket presence and his ability to create after the play. Uh, but actually, I think against the Eagles, I don't think that they'll go deep early too often. I, I think that they should probably attack uh, the Eagles with a quick passing game first and try to get them to come up defensively before trying to throw deep just because that defensive line is so good. And, uh, you know, I noticed the Eagles play a lot of off coverages, some cover six, cover four type of, you know, cover two type of looks. Yeah, I mean, their, their philosophy defensively has definitely been we're going to be a top-down defense. We're going to take away uh, the deep shots. They're one of the best in the league at preventing you, not even just deep play uh, conversions, but deep play attempts. Uh, teams are not pushing the ball uh, down the field against this team because of how they're deploying the, that secondary. And I guess that's the, looking at this offense – I kind of struggled with that when I was putting together show ideas and like, trying to br break down the matchup. It's like, all right, well, you know, no matter who they've gone against, Carr and, and this Raiders offense, they've been really pushing the football uh, down the field. So I was interested to hear that uh, you think they might start a little bit more shallower, maybe with Hunter Renfro and the rest of that group uh, underneath. But let me ask you this question. When it comes to the change philosophically, in your mind, has it been more Carr and his improvement or have they kind of changed the way that uh, they're attacking defenses with the vertical concepts? Yeah, I think they have him look at his alerts with a little bit more emphasis than he would in the past. You know, so instead of seeing, oh, you know, they're in a cover four and the, those safeties are deep, I'm not going to look. They'll actually, you know, he'll have him peek at the deep routes um, after the snap instead of just kind of canceling it before the snap, which I think he did um, earlier in his career. And that's led to him. Uh, taking a few more shots downfield and he's always been a really good deep uh, ball passer he just didn't do it often enough yeah. and uh, his volume has increased and he, he still has been efficient on them so that's been uh, a, a nice development in their offense even, I mean, even just watching him in college, I remember like the deep fades down the sideline to Devante. Like I, that mm -hmm. was uh, one of the strengths of his game coming out of Fresno State. Uh, real quick, last thing on the offense with Derek Carr, 
Where do you view him right now? Obviously, that's a big topic of conversation. I'm sure it is uh, out there in Vegas. But what, what do you, how do you view him in terms of the, the quarterback pecking order? Uh, where is he uh, when you look at the, the quarterback picture around the NFL? You know, I always thought that he was just kind of a fringe top 10 type of guy. So I thought he was kind of in that 10, 14 range of quarterbacks. Right. Uh, but but this year, he's made such big improvements. And um, you know, he doesn't have the run game that he used to have. His offensive line is nowhere near the quality of offensive line, lines that he has in the past. But he's still been able to make it work. So I, I think just uh, with the success he's had, um, you know, and and – um, the plays he, he's had to make out of structure, I, I would kind of put him in, in that top not ten, you know, eight to ten range of, of quarterbacks right now. I think he's playing at a really high level. Interesting. Well, let's get into the defensive side, and I'll ask you to put your Gus Bradley hat on. What is the biggest strength of this defense that gives you the most confidence going into this game against the Eagles defensively? Yeah, the, the Raiders' pass rush has been one of the best in in the NFL. Uh, Max Crosby has been playing at an elite level. Uh, Ngakwe hasn't gotten the sack numbers but he's been extremely disruptive uh inside they, they've had a cast of guys that um, have had really good games solomon thomas has been a really good interior rusher for the yeah. uh Darius phylon uh so yeah the, the pass rush has been really good for the raiders and i know the eagles have uh been going through a lot of offensive line issues with uh, injuries so i think they might be able to um you know, get get an advantage if they could force Jalen Hurts into passing a ball or force the Eagles into some third and long situations. Very interesting. We, uh, we talked about that matchup uh, earlier in the show with Ben. Uh, last question for you. When you look at the biggest concern for this team going into the matchup with the Eagles on, on either side of the ball, uh, what gives Las Vegas a little bit of concern going into this game? Yeah, I, I think the biggest uh, area of concern is is with the interior of their offensive line against um, two really elite defensive linemen and, and Fletcher Cox and, and Hargrave. Um, the Raiders are really young inside. They moved Alex Leatherwood to guard their uh, tackle they drafted in the first round. Um, Andre James is a really young center that doesn't not have a lot of experience. He's a converted tackle. Um, and, and John Simpson on the left side is in his second year, and he's had some struggles as well so you know when you combine the youth and just kind of um, lack of talent inside um, it's just a huge mismatch with Cox and Hargrave which is why I think that they have to go to the quick passing game um, just to try to get these you know eliminate um, too much giving these guys too much time to cause um, havoc inside and the Raiders don't have the run game like the the Buccaneers do to, to kind of try to punish them and slow down that rush so that's why I think they got to, you know, go uh, quick passing game screens, get the running backs involved in the pass game, uh, just to try to gate this pass rush. Yeah, it will certainly be one of the big matchups to watch. Uh, that interior of the Eagles defensive front against the interior of the Las Vegas offensive line. Ted, this has been awesome. Again, everybody go check out Ted's work over at The Athletic. I'm sure you already do if you listen to this show. And make sure you follow him on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis. Ted, thanks again, man. And we will talk to you soon. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Well, great stuff there from Ted. And again, uh, I mentioned the Eagles game plan earlier with Ben. We work all week uh, on that show, and it drops Friday over on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app. If you live locally here in Philadelphia, it will air Sunday at 11 a.m. on NBC10. Make sure you go check that out uh, each and every week over on NBC10. And again, of course, on all of the Philadelphia Eagles uh, digital channels. Now, that said, when we put together the show, I shoot a lot of footage, and then we cut it down. We trim it down to make it fit for TV. So those items that didn't quite make the final cut, I saved him here for the podcast. Let's get into some quality analysis here. Greg Cosell, John Clark, Mike Quick, Ike Reese. It's time for some of the cutaways from Eagles Game Plan. 
But a couple of other things really stand out the way Gus Bradley wants to play. He does not blitz very much. In fact, the Raiders have the lowest blitz percentage of any defense in the NFL. They rely on their front four to get pressure, and they've been able to do that. Now, this is a little different matchup against Jalen Hurts because we know Hurts can move. So while Max Crosby and Ngakwe at the defensive end positions can really get up the field and rush and are very good at it, they're probably going to have to be a little more contained this week because they are not going to want to let Jalen Hurts get inside of them and run. That's an important part of this game. But there will not be very much blitzing at all by the Raiders. They don't do that. And in fact, it makes sense in this game to play the zone coverage, to have their linebackers and underneath defenders staring back at Jalen Hurts. All right, so that's a great way to attack the secondary. How about Dallas Goddard with the Eagles now? He's probably going to be showcased more. What are you seeing from those Raiders linebackers? Well, like in most Gus Bradley defenses, the linebackers are there to be playmakers. Unfortunately for Gus Bradley and his Raiders defense, this isn't the linebackers from the Legion of Boom days back when he was with Seattle. And that includes K.J. Wright. We know he's there, not the player he used to be, still has the ability to make plays, but I just don't think he's consistent with the special plays. Denzel Perryman, a guy who's going to be around the football, he's a tackling machine. But if you're talking about guys that make plays downhill in the backfield of the opposing teams, that's not what Denzel Perryman is there for. Corey Littleton, a guy they brought in, paid a lot of money, probably the best of the three linebackers, but when you put them together as a unit, there's places where the Eagles, either with their tight ends in Dallas Goddard or the backs out of the backfield with Gainwell and Sanders can take advantage of these linebackers with our youthfulness and our athleticism. Getting them in one-on-one situations, I think is an advantage for the Eagles. And to add to that, they're rangy. But the thing that I watched on tape, is the misdirection. You get these guys going one way, they don't redirect very well. So if you get them going one way, you take the action back the other way, many times you're going to have space to move the football. And the coaches with the self-scouting, with the mini-buy, they talked about, we got to get Miles Sanders going, get him the ball more in the running game. The Raiders just happen to be one of the worst teams at stopping the run. They're giving up about 130 rushing yards a game. Do you think that the Eagles are going to find a little bit more balance getting that running game more involved? Yeah, and the, the way that I just talked about, misdirection, getting that, especially the second level going one way and the action going back the other way. And even if they're running straight downhill, this is a team that you can run the football against. And the coaches also talked about adjusting more, that they were a little slow to adjust. And, and right now, the Eagles over the last five games are only averaging about seven points in the first half, one of yeah. the worst first-half offenses in the NFL. So how do they adjust quicker? They just have to understand what's going on on the other side, what the defense is doing. Many times you go into a game and the defense, they're doing something that you're not expecting. You're expecting them to play it one way, like the RPO. They're expecting them to play it one way, but they've come up with a different way to play it. Well, you just have to recognize that early in the process and then make a change. I like what I've seen or what I'm starting to see from second-year linebacker Davion Taylor. And as a guy who had to learn to play linebacker at this level, I understand those growing pains. Understanding, get downhill first. Be the one who initiates the blow as opposed to receiving the blow. But more importantly, it's not just important that you take on the block and get rid of it. You got to be able to make the play. You got to be able to take it to the next level. I think Davion has a lot of traits that can make him a good linebacker at this level. It's just 
just getting the playing time and the experience and understanding uh, what an offense is trying to do to you. And you can tell Ike is talking about linebackers. It's almost like a dad. It's almost like a dad talking about his kids there. Yeah. All right. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I can always tell. You perk up. Uh, so, so how about what they have in the Raiders offense? I mean, Darren Waller, you could argue that he is the best pass-catching tight end in the NFL. They target him ridiculously. So what is what is the Birds' defense going to do here against Darren? There's a lot that they will have to do because they move him around so much in the formation. You talk about a pass catcher. Well, at Georgia Tech, he was a wide receiver, oversized wide receiver. Now he's a tight end in the National Football League, and I think one of the best talents at that position in the league. The Eagles have seen Kittle. They've seen Kelsey, some of the best of tight ends. But this is a guy that they're able to move around and do so many things with but I look at the past games that the Eagles have played against some of the best, and the tight ends haven't been a problem. They've been able to hold these guys to a very low production, and they'll have to do the same thing, but they have to know where Waller is. Waldo? Where is Waller? Where is Waldo? Waldo? <laughs> they have to know. With Waller, they have to know where he is on the football field because many times that's where the ball is going to go. He's targeted a lot in that offense. And this might play into the Eagles' hands here because the Raiders really can't run the ball. They're averaging 3.3 yards a rush tied for worst in the NFL. Does that set up nicely for them wanting to get after the quarterback when you really don't have to worry about that running game? Well, I mean, listen, if the Eagles play the defenses the way that they play them, that entices offenses to run the football. Sure. And so the Raiders are going to have to make a decision as to whether or not take the yardage that the Eagles are willing to defend in front of them with the running game or take shots down the field. I'm betting that the Raiders will become impatient because they aren't a dink and dunk team. They don't want to run the football. And the moment they want to take shots down the field as Q just said that's when our defensive line needs to take advantage of that offensive line and I believe that's what will happen is that the Raiders offense will become impatient and they will try to make the plays down the field and that's when the D-line takes over. They have showed who they are. They are a vertical passing team. They want to run the ball but they really want to take those shots mm -hmm. and you're exactly right. When they take those shots they're going to be big opportunities on the back end of this defense. When you look at that explosive Henry Ruggs, the only receiver uh, right around him who had a 40-time like him coming out a year ago, it was Quez Watkins. So he's got the speed. Do you think that's one of these times where Darius Slay will get that opportunity to follow him? Yeah, I'm sure they'll mix it up. Uh, I don't even know if I want Darius Slay following <laughs> around Henry Ruggs. Well, wait a minute. Darius Slay game. says he's just as fast as Quez Watkins. Oh, listen, I'm sure Darius Slay would take on the challenge, but I, all I'm saying is, is that the Raiders also have other weapons that I would be concerned with as well, including that number 83, who is treated like a wide receiver. Great stuff this week from Ben Fennell, from Ted Wynn, obviously Greg Cosell earlier this week. Thanks to him and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.